Hello and welcome back to the Goodness Lover Show. Today we're joined by naturopathic doctor and good friend, Dr. Peter Bongiorno, who's here to talk to us all about detoxification, how to do it, how to do it correctly, what is the misinformation out there, to the liver, the incredible, fascinating role it plays in our body, and three practical things you can start doing tonight to help restore your body, get your detoxification processes working, and love your liver. Let's get into it. Well, Dr. Peter Bongiorno, our friend and um, mental health extraordinaire and natural physician that we love to talk to, is on the show again. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me here. So we were discussing before the show that we want to learn all about detox and we were talking about liver. We're like, which part should we go down? And you were like, liver's interesting. Let's go down there. So (laughs) I need to learn more about the liver and detox. And there's a lot said about it in the online blogosphere, which I'm sure Mm. I'm I'm assuming could be either confusing or um, some maybe downright pseudoscientific. So Mm. when a patient comes into your practice and wants to learn more about how do they detoxify themselves, and maybe how they detox, detoxify the liver, um, where do you start mm-hmm. with them? Sure. Well, when I first think about detox, you know, it's, it's helping the body get rid of stuff that shouldn't be there, right? And unfortunately, uh, in the world we live in, the very polluted world we live in, um, w- there are so many chemicals now that enter our bodies, you know, every day. Um, in fact, there's now there's studies that show that there's really no parts of the world you can go to that you don't find uh, abnormal and toxic chemicals now. You know, even in the mountains of the Himalayas and in the Antarctic under ice sheets and all these places now we're finding these these things and we're finding, you know, over 200 different chemicals in cord blood from placenta from, you know, babies that were just born. So, so we're seeing these things everywhere. And, and so there is good reason to want to help your body clean out and do what it is naturally able to do. Um, so, that, you know, that's the reason I think to do it, because our bodies, unfortunately, aren't great at dealing with these chemicals and storing them. So doing the best we can to, number one, not allow them in, and then number two, to help usher them out is a great idea. Cool. So these are, it's whenever we have a conversation around toxic you know chemicals and things like that it's always super depressing and so and people are like well what they either feel overwhelmed and don't do anything about it um and so they're thinking okay what do i do first like um right. you know i'm gonna book a sauna session and that's what i'm going to do is that where you would start if you're going to detoxify the body would you start saunering would you start with a lemon tea or <laughs> where, where do you begin sure yeah well i mean the first step is to try to recognize for you where the incoming is Right, like what? Where is it coming in from? Uh, you know, I was very impressed with um, with with COVID nineteen. What they showed is that there's a lot of the places where pollution is the highest. More people have, you know, there's much higher rates of hospitalization and greater sickness from COVID. Mm-hmm. And and that makes sense. You know, it's a, it affects the lungs. It creates a lot of inflammation. I guess if there's a lot of ongoing pollution and things, um, the the cilia the, the cilia in the lungs, you know, which helps kind of usher things out or probably aren't working very well. Plus there's more inflammation already. And um, so, so we want to think about 
you know, whatever the condition is that we might have to deal with or whether we just want to be help, healthy, we really want to think about, well, what's the incoming for us? So the first one is air. We do a bad air, you know, if, if you don't want to move. Well, you, you look at your environment and you see, well, what can I do to clean up the air in my environment? Are, are there a lot of things that off gas? Am I buying new furniture all the time? Am I buying new clothing that off gases? You know, can I replace some of those things with organic wools and organic cottons? Um, you know, is anyone smoking around me? Is that something I can change? So looking around to find out for you what the sources of pollution are. Um, one of the things I recommend to many of my patients is getting a very good quality air filter for your home and uh, maybe getting an air filter in your bedroom. If you can't get an air filter for every room in your home, maybe starting with at least your bedroom. So the area where you do your heaviest breathing and you're there for one third of your life, at least that air is pristine, you know? And, and, and one thing about the body that we know, whether it's with foods or pollution or any other incoming toxins, um, when you, when you give your body a moment without the toxin, that's when it can try to release what it needs to release. Um, you know, the, there's an analogy, and I don't, I don't love military analogies, but uh, one analogy is, is if, you're, if you're bombing a city, you know, the people in the city will hide. You know, they'll go in underground, they'll go into bunkers, they'll, and they'll shut the lights, and they wait. And then when the, when the bombing is over, people come out, and when they know it's over, then they start cleaning up and getting rid of stuff, right? But you can't get rid of stuff while you're actively being bombed. You have to wait. And the body's exactly the same way, you know? So whether it's too much food or the wrong kinds of food or a lot of toxins, the body needs a break from it so it can do what it knows how to do. Um, and a process called autophagy, um, where it gets rid of what it needs to get rid of. So, so looking at the air, you know, cleaning up the air, of course, looking at our foods, you know, that's a huge source of toxicity, um, whether it's, you know, plastics in there, whether it's dyes, chemicals, you know, all the things that could be in there, hormones, antibiotics, um, all of the, these different things. So looking at our foods and trying to clean that up as much, certainly our water and, and getting, you know, very good quality filtration for our water and, you know, drinking the cleanest water we can is also a good idea. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, checking into things like metals as well. Are there sources of metals? And I remember when I was a kid, I used to love playing with mercury thermometer, you know, <laughs> mercury and mercury <laughs> thermometers because that was fun, wow. right? Little balls. So, you know, uh, so finding out is, you know, is there a mercury burden in, in a person's body? Um, so, so that's the first step, finding out where is the incoming and then, and then starting to make changes based on that. Okay, great. Some great tips there and great things to think about. And it, I agree that um, when the first graphs and charts came out about, you know, air quality and COVID and COVID um, mm. uh, negative reactions, like that was so insightful. And I think we've, um, as a humanity, we, we <laughs> um, became even more acutely aware of how important all of this stuff is. So thank you for outlining some, outlining some of the um, potential areas to look at. But um, I would love to dive into uh, chats about the liver at this point. How does the liver fit mm -hmm. into it all? And I, I'm, I'm studying nutrition at the moment and I feel like I'm, when I'm reading about the liver, I'm just like 
The liver is such an unsung hero of the body. And Mm. it's just in there just like turning this into that and that into this and just like it's involved in so many different processes. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. Why aren't we all just like paying homage to the liver every day? <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, uh, it's, true. You, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> What's the deal with the liver? How does it fit in, and yeah. um, how can we support our livers? It's uh, when I was in naturopathic school, so twenty something years ago. You know, there's a there was a joke. It was uh, if you don't know what to do, treat the liver. You know, <laughs> start working on the liver because the liver does so many things that helps us you know and it's uh, so it's really incredible and um you know when you think about the liver i'm just as a, like a little side note the liver is the only organ you can cut out and if you leave a little piece it'll grow back there's no other there's no other body part that will do that except the liver so wow. kind of a testament to how important it is yeah or yeah. how similar yeah. it is to a starfish i guess but um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a pretty amazing. Um, so the the liver, you know, when, in terms of putting it in context with detox, the liver is certainly a part of detox, but there's a number of other body parts that are part of it too. The skin, you know, is probably our largest organ of detoxification. The kidneys certainly play a strong role in detoxification. Um, the colon and the rest of the intestines certainly play a part of it. Um, and, and liver is a part of that. Um, when I think about the liver, um, the first thing I think about is the intestines and making sure people are moving their bowels, right? Because the liver can't do anything if the if the bowels aren't moving. So when someone's constipated, that's that's the number one thing to work on in terms of of, of detox. You know, in fact, it's better not even to give them anything that helps them detox because you don't want to encourage the liver to try to dump more stuff into the intestines because then it just gets reabsorbed into the bloodstream. And we end up with, you know, more toxicity, right? So, um, so the first step is making sure people are moving their bowels really well every day um, before thinking about moving on to detox. And you mentioned saunas before. A sauna can be very useful because, you know, when you open up your pores and you and you sweat, that's another way to kind of get rid of um, uh, toxins. In fact, there are studies that show when people eat plenty of eat enough fiber. And when they sweat more, that people who need dialysis typically need less dialysis. And the reason is, is because you can get stuff out, nitrogenous waste out through your skin. You can get waste out through your, through your pooping. So that's less burden on the kidneys. In fact, there's a, a couple of studies about certain types of probiotics, which can be useful to help the intestines also do some of the detoxification that the kidneys might have to do. And that can also lower the burden on the kidneys for patients with dialysis. So um, so it just tells us that these things do work. You know, that there's, there is some pseudoscience in it. And we talk about, quote, detoxification. And I think it means many different things to different people. But if you look at the studies, there's, you know, there's a number of studies about using certain things that, and, and how it can help lower burden on the kidneys. Um, which I think is really fascinating and, and, and you know, and is a tribute to how detoxification can work. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I think about that. I also think about um, what, what we're eating, right? Because um, there's a system whereby the, the intestines have all of these vessels attached to them. And, and the system of vessels is called the hepatic portal system. Hepatic refers to the liver. And so all the, um, all the vessels around the intestines go directly to the liver. 
In fact, they don't go anywhere else. When you absorb your nutrients in your food, it all goes to the liver first before it goes anywhere else in the body. And that's important because the liver's job is to see what's coming in and, and, to, and, to, and to say, okay, so this is what's coming in. This is what the balance in the body is going to be. This is how we're going to metabolize some hormones. Um, the liver also has these master immune cells called Kufr cells. And Kufr cells will travel through the bloodstream and go to places like the brain and activate other immune cells called microglia and create more inflammation and go to other body parts like the joints and create inflammation and raise inflammatory markers and things like that. And what you eat is going to play a very strong role in what signals the liver sends to other parts of the body. So so not even just for detoxification, but also for inflammation in the body. The liver is a, a very master controller of that. Um, so, so, you know, so when I think about detoxification, the first thing I think about is, okay, are we drinking enough water? Are we pooping? And then what are we taking in that's going through the liver? Because if, let's say, you, you know, you have, I, I worked with a woman today who, um, had br past breast cancer and now she has uterine cancer, all very estrogen driven. Uh, you know, and one of the things I'm thinking about was well, what's going on with her liver that she can't process these estrogens in such a way that they that they're that they're not so aggressive mm. you know because we did some testing on her we found she had very aggressive uh, estrogens and and so now we're working on liver we're working on fiber we're working on improving her liver function um, because we want her liver to do that job to break those down get them into the intestines and then get them out of the body um, mm. so um so I think that's a key too. Um, if I had to pick, uh, besides working on constipation, drinking enough water, food, the next thing is sleep, right? Because sleep is when your body powers down. And then when your body powers down, it could start working on cleaning things up. So if people aren't sleeping enough, the liver isn't, isn't going to have the time to do what it needs to do, you know, to actually get rid of what it needs to get rid of, fix what it needs to fix, rebalance what it needs to rebalance. Interesting. So we know, uh, I'm just curious if there's going to be a connection with this, that we know that, say, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is on the rise. Um, and mm -hmm. I've, I've seen some interesting analysis as to why that is. Is there a connection between toxicity yeah. and, and that? It's a great it's a great question. I think there's a couple of uh, reasons why. I think toxicity is part of it. Um, because the liver has a very strong burden of toxicity. And like I said, the liver has a very strong activation of immune system cells. And and in the liver, when, when the immune system is activated uh, chronically, it basically starts to, you know, um, the liver cells start to break down. A lot of enzymes get released. Um, you know, and that's when we, we see liver enzymes go up. And, uh, and that can be a sign of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And years ago, you would see this mostly in people who just drank too much because it was so heavy on the liver. The liver had a, you know, when the liver breaks down alcohol, it breaks it down to these formaldehyde type of products. And it's very toxic for the liver. So you saw a lot of these liver cells starting to, you know, break open and release these enzymes. And um, But I also think besides toxicity, um, a lot of it has to do with the foods we're eating, especially overeating sugars and, and raising our insulin because insulin um, and will also help pack a lot of fat in the liver. And, and fat tissue 
uh, adipose tissue in the liver will also make it much more vulnerable to non-alcoholic um, fatty liver disease too. And you know, when you do ultrasounds on patients, you'll see they'll have these fatty livers, and and not just people who are obese, but people who are thin, but aren't really eating balanced. You know, so one way to not eat balanced is to drink too much alcohol. But even if you don't drink alcohol, you know, just having a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar, um, not a lot of fiber, that sort of thing will also over time you know, increase the likelihood of getting that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Is there a way to work out if you have um, to have that? Well, is there some common signs that people may be unaware of that they actually have that without getting a, a proper diagnosis? Right. Well, some people I see, you know, will have that typical insulin, like people who have high insulin um, will typically have like more of a kind of like an insulin abdomen, like where you see their stomach, stomach kind of come out like almost out of proportion to the rest of their body, even if they're, you know, have a little more fat tissue on them, you kind of see that stomach bulge, which is very typical of a higher insulin uh, picture. Um, so I see that in a number of patients. Um, as far as symptoms go, they'll, they'll tell me sometimes, oh, you know, I used to be able to drink alcohol and boy, I, I just can't drink it anymore. I can't clear it. I feel drunk for a long time or same thing with alcohol or they'll tell me perfumes bother me, um, you know, like, um, or they used to take non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or acetaminophen, and now that really bothers them. They can't take that anymore. And those are just all signs that the liver just isn't processing the way it used to. Um, so I do see that in a number of patients. Um, you know, in Chinese medicine, you'll also see sometimes people will have um, a more irritableness or anger. You know, in Chinese medicine, um, Every organ has an association with an emotion, and the liver is, uh, is with anger. So, um, so, this, so they would say, yeah, when there's liver issues, you're going to see more anger and irritableness, and 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 just like fluctuation of kind of significant emotion. Interesting. So, do you have a specific protocol that you walk through with um, patients to deal with that? Um, uh, with with non-alcoholic uh, fatty liver disease. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about, you know, certainly working on sleep and constipation and water um, is going to be very important. So all of those basics. Um, exercise is really key because you want to build, uh, you want to help the body become less insulin resistant. So when you build muscle, insulin levels will naturally go down. And when insulin levels go down, there's going to be a lot less packing of fat. And if you get insulin levels nice and low, and you exercise, then what happens is you'll start breaking down fat. You know, because the body doesn't have too many great ways to break down fat. You know, we're we're all designed for scarcity. You know, we're designed to be in the jungle and and living with very little food and having to do a lot of walking to go get it or you know movement to go get it. So so we have all these great methods of building fat in our body because our you know our bodies just crave food and want to pack fat because that's how you got through the winter when there was scarcity. Unfortunately, all those mechanisms don't work for us today. They kind of work against us. So, um, so doing, so kind of putting people back into like, you know, as much as we can to, to the point where they're moving a lot more and they're eating a lot less is going to help lower insulin, you know, build their muscle and start to clean out the, the liver. One thing that's true about the liver is unless, you know, there's a couple of stages of, of, uh, of liver uh, problems, you know, one stage is called uh, cirrhosis of the liver, and that's when 
it becomes, uh, I'm sorry, that's when it be- starts to get more inflamed and the, and the liver cells start to change. And then the final step is fibrosis. So there's inflammation, there, you know, and the fatty liver starts, there's cirrhosis, and then there's fibrosis. Fibrosis is when it becomes like cardboard. And it's much harder to do anything once the, it, they make those changes because it's kind of like dead cells. But the inflammatory part and the um, cirrhotic part um, there's still a lot of leeway, and there's still so much we can do to lower that inflammation, to get you know, to get the cells to start to heal themselves, and to, and to clean up, and and to create new, more healthy cells. So, um, so with you know, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, that's the idea. We want to get going. We, st- we want to start reversing that that fat deposition and actually help the body start to break the fat down. And um, yeah, so you know, so lowering sugar, lowering carbs, building muscle is a, is important a part of that. And then you know, and then supporting the liver um, with uh, certain there's there's really some wonderful nutrients and supplements and things that can do that. Um, there was a fellow uh, a number of years ago uh, named Berkson, and he um, he was charged with um, um, these hepatitis C patients that they considered, you know. Um, uh, unable to cure at that point, and I think he was looking after them. And he, and I don't know the story of how it happened, but he stumbled on this idea that he gave them a milk thistle, alpha lipoic acid, and um, and selenium. So uh, so alpha lipoic acid is a supplement that's very good for a balancing blood sugar. It's also a good antioxidant. Milk thistle is traditionally very, very well known to support the liver um, and to help it, you know, do the job it needs to do. And then selenium is a very uh, potent antioxidant, right, which we know even for, for COVID is, is very good for, um, you know, levels of selenium is very protective uh, even for COVID. And, um, and what he found was uh, these patients, and it was only a couple of people, um, not only did they not die, but they actually did very well <laughs> on this protocol. And and then he started studying this idea of oh okay if I give patients these things um, does their viral load of hepatitis go down and and it does and it certainly does and and in the years before um, they came out with Harvoni and these drugs that cure hepatitis um, I, I had seen that even in my own patients who had chronic hepatitis and couldn't take some of the um, the um, the ant- uh, the drugs uh, like ribavirin that they use to knock uh, antiviral drugs that they use to knock down Hep C. A lot of those drugs are very very harsh, and many people couldn't take them. And I remember seeing earlier in my practice, you know, how these things really did work to help lower viral load and keep people healthy. It didn't cure it, but I, but they were much healthier. Um, now I don't see those patients because they do have a, a medication that actually does cure it at a very high rate. Awesome. Wow. So yeah, um, it, it also. What you were just saying there just reminded me of, um, yeah. What 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 can life be like if you you know start this detox journey? Because a lot of people might be overwhelmed or they don't know if they want to take action. And we're all about taking action on mm-hmm. Goodness Lover Podcast. So, um, what is some you know what you know what have you seen in your practice when people uh, that take you know start doing these protocols, start doing these things? Mm-hmm. How much better can it make them and or at least feel? Yeah, well, I mean, it lowers inflammation in the body. It balances blood sugar. Um, it does make them feel better. I mean, you know, and this kind of protocol uh, isn't just good for, you know, non-alcoholic fatty liver steatosis, <laughs> but it's good for really a lot of inflammatory issues because, you know, basically what are we doing? We're getting people sleeping, moving their bodies, drinking water, you know, pooping every day, uh, eating an anti-inflammatory, low sugar. I mean, that's 
that's a good recipe for almost any condition you want to treat, right? So, um, so yeah, so there's it definitely, you know, when you give the body what it needs to heal itself, it knows what to do. And even if we don't know exactly why a patient, you know, got to the place they did and, uh, and why they're, you know, out of balance, one thing I do know is when you use those, those, those types of recommendations, um, then the body has what it needs to fix itself. Even if I don't know why, you know, it's broken, I do know the body knows how to fix it. Awesome. I love that. Um, I would love to spend a little bit more time diving into what the liver does. You mentioned before um, that it's the main recipient of all the nutrients that that we um, eat, uh, and uh, you, you know it processes it from there. But what what else does the liver do in our bodies? Why is it that our body prioritizes rebuilding a liver of all things? Right. Um, why is it so crucial? Yeah, it's it's like I said. Besides the um, it taking in all the stuff we eat, nutrients and otherwise, and and checking it out and filtering it, and um, it also um, is a it's a center of of um, inflammatory response. So it helps make the decision of whether other parts of the body are going to end up being inflamed by what we're taking in and what it sees as balanced and unbalanced. Um, it's a um, it's important for digestion of fat, right? It sends out bile, and we need bile to emulsify fat. Um, it's important for um, for balancing um, estrogen and 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 all the hormones in the body. It sends out these um, these proteins that bind to different hormones. So if it if the liver believes that the hormones are out of balance, um, then it'll start sending out binding proteins to try to bring things back into balance. You know, that's one of the reasons why uh, sometimes we see um, issues with even birth control pills because, you know, birth control pills sort of are kind of a way to put hormones into a bit of a straitjacket. And that certainly works for, um, you know, um, if, if you want to protect from having a baby. But um, but the liver doesn't like that, right? Because the liver just sees it as an assault, a constant assault. And so it, it turns out that it even ends up um, – you know, affecting our, our nutrient ability, it affects clotting because the liver, uh, you know, plays an important role in clotting cascades. Um, so the liver can even start um, making, I, be I believe the liver can even start making blood cells. If the, if the bone marrow for some reason stops working, the liver can revert back to an early embryonic state and even start making red blood cells again. I mean, there's so many oh. things that our thing can do. It's pretty amazing. Oh, liver. Yeah. Just like being a legend. Swiss no one cares Swiss about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, yes. Very important. So the, um, so the symptoms before that you mentioned maybe would be the common signs of Matt was asking about uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, would that mm -hmm. be the same symptoms as if someone just had a sluggish liver or just slightly overburdened? Um, what what would be the spectrum of symptoms? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it could be from almost no symptoms. I mean, there are a lot of people who incidentally find out about it, that they have a fatty liver on an ultrasound because they're checking something else. Um, all the way up to, you know, pretty severe symptoms, um, like we were, t we were talking about, or even more severe symptoms where people can even get a little jaundice and their eyes get a little yellow and their face gets a little bit green. And, um, you know, and if you've ever walked through a hospital ward of chronically ill patients, you're going to see that, that kind of pallor, that green sort of color on people's face. And you know that there's, that there's liver issues and liver toxicity there. 
Interesting. Okay, awesome. So it's been very practical. I'm, I know people will be thinking right now. I know you mentioned uh, one particular supplement, but they'll be like all about the herbs. I want to know what the herbs. I want to know what the supplements. Um, <laughs> right. So, which is a you know again we were speaking before about the blogosphere. There's like a million different mm-hmm. recommendations. This this will detox you within 24 hours. So. From your right. um, experience and much more educated, I'd like the to know which sphere. one that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't and, know. If anything uh, oh, by the way, you'll shed twenty like... pounds as well in the same time period. So. In right. one day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there are herbs that that can help people lose weight, but they're not safe. <laughs> so mm. anything that's safe takes time. <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah. So uh, you know, as far as the herbals go. Um, you know, milk thistle, which I mentioned earlier, that's just been so well studied for its safety, its ability um, to, um, you know, they have this um, they have this model that they study in, in animals called uh, amantia mushroom poisoning, which is a very poisonous mushroom of the liver. And they've shown that when you poison the liver um, with this toxin, that, um, that milk thistle can save the animal, you know. So, um, and they've also, um, they've done uh, studies of N-acetylcysteine, NAC, which I don't know if you know, but they're trying to take away from us here in the United States. And um, because um, uh, according to the U.S. government, uh, they're claiming that N-acetylcysteine was considered a drug in 1963 so that they might try to control it now as a, as a medication. So a lot of people... Yeah, and and you know many people think well it's because of, of all the benefits that have been shown with COVID nineteen um, using N-acetylcysteine, so now they just kind of want to take it off the market because it because it works. And <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember a long time ago they did that red, red yeast rice as well uh, here really? in this yeah. country, and uh, yeah, uh, a number of years ago they had a. a uh, the pharmaceutical companies uh, basically went to, I believe, is the federal federal government and said, you know, this is they're they're copying our drug and that's not fair. So they took it off the shelves for a while, and then there was, I guess, an appeal, and they said, no, you know, this comes from Manascus. This is a natural supplement, and they mm-hmm. they they made statin drugs out of it. So, but there's no reason why this shouldn't still be out. So they put it back uh, on the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what happens um, when you try and sue Mother Nature. It's just, it doesn't really exactly. go so. Um, but getting back to the herbs, so you know, beyond milk thistle, um, burdock root is well known. You know, it's considered quote a blood purifier. You know, from the uh, old herbalists, and and that's another one that's been shown very helpful in supporting liver function. Dandelion root, um, very good. Uh, artichoke, also excellent. Um, and you know, and the interesting thing about a lot of them, a gentian is another one. Um, and a lot of them are bitters, are very, very strong bitters. And, uh, and, and that's actually something that's very fascinating to me because when we think of bitter, we think of our, you know, our, our taste receptors on our tongue. Um, and when we put bitter, uh, taste on our tongue, it sends signals throughout the body and to the liver to start doing things, to start detoxing, to start re- regulating blood sugar, to start regulating inflammation. And it turns out that bitter receptors aren't just in the tongue, but they're throughout the digestive tract and kind of throughout the body. And, and they regulate the system um, called the enteroendocrine uh, system. And and that system really helps regulate what goes on with blood sugar and what goes on with inflammation. And a lot of that's mediated through the liver. So this idea of eating bitters um, is a great idea, not only, um, you know, because it stimulates um, uh, 
secretion of hydrochloric acid and your stomach enzymes, but because it also has a direct, direct relationship on on balancing things like blood sugar and inflammation in the body. So, so for everyone listening out there, if you can get more bitters into your life, that's a great idea. And uh, you know, and certainly the bitter greens are one way to do it. And taking the herbs like gentian, like a you know maybe a dropper full in a little bit of water right before a meal. Um, you know, a lot of um, I remember my parents. My parents are in their late 80s, and and before dinner they have would have a little bit of Manhattan, you know, like a drink of Manhattan, and it was like a little bit of vermouth, um, a little bit of like rye or something. But what they would do is they would put these Angostura bitters in it, you know, lots of bitters, and and they were it was gentian, you know. And so what were they doing before dinner? They were just gently stimulating their their gastric acid and stimulating their liver to start doing the things it needed to do and 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 then they probably created for themselves better digestion as a result you know they relaxed a little bit and uh, so by the time they <laughs> ate their digestive you know juices are flowing and 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 they sat and they ate their food and I think we miss that we we, we uh, we're a culture who loves sweet you know, and love sweet things, and we kind of shy away from bitters. Even people who drink coffee, oftentimes, the, you know, I think coffee is very good for you because it's a very strong bitter, one of the few bitters that a lot of people have. But many people end up just throwing a lot of milk and a lot of sugar in it, so you kind of lose that bitter effect at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you drink coffee and you enjoy it, try to little by little take out a little sugar, you know, little by little, less and less sugar, less and less milk to the point where you get nice and black and then you end up with a nice black coffee, um, which is what I enjoy most days. And, um, you know, not only is it is it enjoyable to drink, but it's also good for the liver, you know. In fact, there's a lot of studies now about coffee drinking and the benefits on liver health, cardiovascular disease. Yes. I love any support of my addiction <laughs> to coffee. So. All the coffee drinkers said, hooray. Yeah. And then you're saying about bitters, I'm like. And if you lemon- notice, it's, white, it's black, right? Not yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, just coffee. Right right <laughs> yeah, organic go. black coffee. Yeah. Be specific mm-hmm. on that. And like um, lemon lime and bitters. Like, I love that drink growing up. So I'm just going to. Yeah, but that's just sugar. Oh, man. <laughs> You'll have to make yours from scratch. Um, I'm just trying to use all these justifications. I, uh, I know. Dr. Peter Bonjourno said I can drink this lemon, lemon lime, lime and bitters. <laughs> full of sugar. <laughs> this soft drink. Um, I was speaking to, uh, we were speaking to Dr. Maya Sheet Treat last year i think it was and uh she she mentioned about bitters she's she loves bitters and she was saying how um part of the reason our body acts so favorably in terms of detoxification because most of the bitters in nature are poisons and so Mm -hmm. our bodies have learned like that flavor hits our tongue we're like quick 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 like let's flush it out and so Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool that we can have bitters that obviously aren't poison and but still get the same effects and get all the nutrition at the same time so that's Super cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. And yeah. in fact, right now they're even trying to develop drugs for um, that work on a, a molecule called GLP-1, and um, and and it, and it has effects on you know benefits for diabetes and things like that. And you know, so my thought is, well, why not just start with the bitters? You know, mm. You're going mm. for that same effect. Yeah. So outside of having a um, a spruced up Manhattan <laughs> for every meal. Um, what are some other ways we can incorporate bitters into our, sure. our lifestyle? So you mentioned milk thistle, but I, I, I don't, I don't know about our listeners, but that's not something that I'm used to having in my, um, my yeah. diet. But so like, how, how do you normally incorporate these things? 
the bitters. Well, I mean, you you know, the Manhattan, you don't have to have the alcohol part of it. You can just do the bitter part of it, which is gentian. Um, and there's a lot of companies now that make these, you know, these bitter mixes. And you can really just put them in a little bit of water and drink them down, you know, um, five, ten minutes before a meal is, is a good way to start. Um, certainly incorporating, like I said, things like black coffee, um, you know, as part of your day. Um, also doing um, just dark greens. You know, the darker the greens, usually the more bitter they are. I know I grew up in a family that had a lot of greens. And I remember when I was a kid, I didn't like most of them. And now they're the best foods I can get, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so eating, you know, all dark greens, you know, as you, as you get a chance to eat them and try out different ones. And they're all good. Um, you know, I, I love dandelion. I have people... I'll have some of my patients, especially patients with kidney and liver issues, I'll have them cook the dandelion, boil it up, organic dandelion, hopefully, and then um, and then drink the water. You know, so save the water too. Not only just eat the dandelion, but also drink the water. And, and uh, because the water is really good, you know, it'll help flush out the liver, help flush out the kidneys, and uh, and you get more of the effect that way too. Mm. I love dandelion tea. Would it have the same? Would dandelion tea that you just buy from the store have the same properties as just boiling fresh dandelion? Do you happen to know? Um, you know, it depends. Sometimes the uh, the tea is made from dandelion root, and I think that has certain properties that are very good that maybe the aerial parts, like which is the leaf, might not have. But I think they all have similar effects. And, you know, it's really just about having it regularly. Yeah. And um, so I think both are very good. Mm-hmm. And um, the milk thistle, how do you normally do that? Is that as like a supplement or can it be um, You done can fresh? do it as a tea, but I think if people are having liver issues and I want it for a therapeutic effect, um, I'll usually use a capsule form. Mm-hmm. And there actually are certain types of milk thistle. There's a company out of uh, Italy that actually makes a, a very absorbable type of milk thistle. Uh, they bind it to something called phosphatidylcholine. And um, so it's a very specific um, version. So people who have difficult liver issues, sometimes I'll even have them take regular milk thistle and have them do the um, that version as well. So how often in your practice, you see a lot of patients, how often would you say, look, I think we need to look at your liver? Like how much of all these principles are you using on a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, it depends. I, I would say if I see patients who have like a hemorrhoid, like hemorrhoidal issues are often associated with liver issues and liver congestion, a lot of varicose veins, things like that. Um, certainly I'll think about that. And like I said earlier, people who have, um, you know, uh, a sensitivity to smells, perfumes. Um, you know, they get a little nauseous when they smell perfumes. Um, people who have uh, sensitivity to non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Um, you know, they have just generally a lot of inflammation in their body. Um, you know, those will be people that I'll be thinking about probably first for a liver. And then, of course, if they come in and tell me, oh, I had an ultrasound and I have a fatty liver. <laughs> and, you know, even if they don't have symptoms, then that's something I would think about as well. Mm-hmm. Is there any specific patient stories that come to mind yeah. of people that have um, had success with this? Yeah. You know, what the you first thing I spot? thought of. So, yeah. So, one of the things that I was, uh, yeah, I know I've definitely seen, uh, like I said, I had a couple of patients years ago uh, with hepatitis C. Who couldn't take the um, the rib- ribavirin drugs and, and doing this kind of protocol? 
um, help lower their viral load to the point where they didn't have to worry about the hepatitis um, or at least just watch it and get it tested regularly. Um, you know, because uh, as you might know, hepatitis C can go on to cause liver cancer and certainly cause things like cirrhosis as well. So it's it's quite serious. And, um, and unfortunately, there was a number of years where... Um, you know, where uh, transfusions and things like that weren't really um, tested for hepatitis C. And many, many people um, through blood transfusions uh, uh, got hepatitis C. And, and, uh, and unwittingly, they didn't know about it and, until years later when they started feeling sick. So I've seen a number of those patients and um, I definitely saw improvement. Um, you know, I laughed when you're asking that question because I thought about uh, something which I hadn't, um, I hadn't mentioned um, and I just thought about it now. One of the things, one of my favorite treatments for for liver is uh, what's called the castor oil pack. I don't know. Have you guys uh, run across the castor oil pack I before? Have, and I so, wasn't sure what to think about it. I've been meaning to look into yeah. it. I'm like, is this I, real? I have, I have patients <laughs> use it all the time. Yeah, yeah I, well. I use it in my practice. Huh. Um, and hmm. it's basically um, you take uh, an or- hopefully an organic flannel, you know, unbleached organic flannel. And, and maybe you cut it um, so that a double layer fits over the liver area. And, and the liver area, by the way, starts at kind of like the nipple area and goes to just below the rib area. So um, let me show you right here. Yeah, yeah, so it kind of starts here and it goes here, right, just on one side. Okay. So this is on where the, the liver the is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So right, on the right. So when you take um, – um, so you take the um, – uh, the flannel and you soak it in or hopefully organic castor oil and uh, so that it's you know it's pretty um, wet and then you put it over the area and then you put a heating pad or or a water bottle or something on top of it and you just let it sit there for maybe 40 minutes an hour at a medium heat um, and um, and uh, and you just let it sit there and the reason why you do that is because it'll help bring circulation to the liver you know, because one of the things we want to do, especially when we're stressed out, is the gut tends to have very little circulation and very little blood supply brought to it. And that's one of the reasons it's not working so well. So it's a, just a nice way to bring circulation. I also have uh, women do castor oil packs for uterine cramping and, and menstrual issues and things like that. You could put it over the intestinal area if there's, you know, a lot of intestinal cramping and irritable bowel, things like that. But, um, but the liver is, is a prime organ for that. So, um, so it does seem to help, you know, get the circulation in there, uh, lowers inflammation, and um, and uh, and it feels really good. People tend to like it. Um, uh, I've had one patient who thought it was so great. She decided, and and I tell all my patients this. Maybe she forgot, but she had decided to go to sleep with it on. Not a good idea. So you don't want to you don't want to cook you don't want to cook the liver that long, right? So <laughs> Forty five minutes an hour. Maybe an hour and a half, <laughs> uh, because you know when when a body part gets heated, then it creates stagnation after a while, and the blood starts to get stuck there. And she was fine, um, but uh, I was a little worried about that. So for anyone listening, don't go to sleep with it. Okay, got it. <laughs> I was imagining this nice warm cuddle from it at night as well. So yeah. that's good right. to mention that. Get sleepy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay, castor oil. So um, for uh, anyone listening, um, how would you go about getting castor oil? Is there any um, recommendations? Uh, is there a spectrum of quality that we should be looking for? Um, yeah. yeah. We'll go to the castor oil store. And they have no, just um, you know, just get a good quality <laughs> organic 
castor oil, um, preferably <laughs> in glass. You know, if you get something in glass, because yeah. um, uh, you know oils tend to take in what's around them. So uh, so yeah. plastics, I, I would imagine, get leached into the oil somewhat. Mm, Sense. Yeah, there's a couple of companies that make organic versions. So, and don't drink it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's important good. you say Ca- these things because <laughs> yeah, don't, you don't, know don't we could just it. like Peter Bond so, said we're shorting we're shorting castor oil before our with, meals with and, bitters <laughs> with bitters and having a good there, nap. With, there is one actually use of <laughs> drinking castor oil. It's um, you know for constipation because it's so um, you know the. It's not poisonous. It doesn't kill people, but the the colon will react to it like it's a poison, and it it, it viciously shakes the colon and the lower intestines when you drink when you take in castor oil, like maybe a tablespoon. And so that's actually been used, you know, as a natural therapy for for severe constipation. Um, it does, and it does work for that. It's not pretty, but it'll work. And the other thing is for. Um, and it's also it's also used traditionally for uh, women who need to go into labor and can't go into labor because <laughs> because it shakes the colon so much that the uterus starts to shake and then the baby starts to move and uh, and I did have one case where that worked for for uh, <laughs> for a woman who did you know who didn't want to get a cesarean section and um, you know if any women listening to this please you know check with your your midwife and your obstetrician before doing that, but sure, yeah. um, but it is it is an option. Yeah. So yeah, use with caution. Bizarre. Ah, yeah. interesting. interesting. <laughs> well, um, this has been certainly a super fun conversation, <laughs> yeah. and you've definitely enlightened us on the amazing aspects of our liver and yeah. detoxifying, and yeah, things like um, the things that we spoke about, like non-alcoholic fatty, li- fatty liver disease, are really on the rise, mm-hmm. and these are really prevalent issues. Um, so thank you so much for bringing all this light to it. And if people are listening and going, this fine doctor from Italy um, (laughs) (laughs) with his Italian access to the um, milk thistle, um, (laughs) I would like to work with that man. Um, What's the best way of them getting in contact with you? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, So you can go to my website, uh, www.drpeterbongiorno.com. So D is in David, R is in Richard, P-E-T-E-R. And then my last name, it's very long, uh, B-O-N-G-I-O-R-N-O.com. Awesome. Buongiorno. You've got, I know you've got a lot of great resources on your website <laughs> and um, ebooks and things that you've done around COVID, which are really helpful. So definitely go and check that oh, out. Thank you. And um, we know um, people within our community that you've uh, coached and you inspire in our Facebook community, You um, people love you and you've just got such a great nature and just a way of Thank approaching you. patients Pleasure. and a lot of, um, yeah, we need more of your type yeah, in like this space. You. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for all the balanced and great information you send out there. Um, I know you guys have a lot of great integrity and I really appreciate the work you're doing and I'm really you know, proud and pleased to be a part of it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And so, yes, for anyone listening, that was Dr. Peter Bongiorno. You can visit his website. Um, he's also on social media. He posts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to get back on that. Post more, Peter. I you got a lot to say. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those who might, might not know, Peter, he's, Dr. Bongiorno is also a rocker drummer. So, 
Your fun yes. fact. Previous life before his naturopathic <laughs> career. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for joining us again. And what thank Matt you. said is totally true. We really appreciate you and think that um, we definitely need more people like you in the world um, just doing uh, such a great thing with so much generosity and so much passion and care. So thank you so much for joining us. We've really been enlightened today. It's a great talk. We it always love talking to talk. Dr. Peter. He's a good friend very of ours and he's a really, him. really, really good guy. So again, if you're looking for someone to work with, he does remote interviews and we can't highly recommend Appointments, him. not interviews. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean, guys. Um, let us know in the comments what you thought of the uh, interview, um, what you're going to start with, um, some other tips, tricks, um, whatever you've got. Let us know in the comments. It helps us as well. Keep producing this free content. Keeps us engaged. We love hearing from our community. And what did you think about the coffee part? Are you mm. um, excited? Are you happy? Are you like, no, coffee is bad. All the coffee addicts are like, Yes. yes. <laughs> And all the people that have like quit it are now going to be like, no, but what about this? What about this study? Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Yes. Um, and yeah, give us a like and a subscribe. That would really help. And yeah, before we just tune out, the this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease thing is huge. Um, it's, a, I think, a bit of a silent epidemic at the moment. And yeah, so sure. if you think someone um, might get something out of this interview, please share it with a loved one. That's why we love doing this free content. It's just a help as many people as possible so give it a share that would be great as well but until then we will see you next week